Welcome to another episode of Growing Recovery, Tara Nichols, and I'm here with Victoria Kopp, and I'm very excited to meet you. And so, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so, I actually started in the military. I was going to school for psychology, and then I went into the military for six years, and I was assaulted while I was in Afghanistan. Um, and so for the trial that we had in Afghanistan, I had to go to several, see several psychologists for documentation purposes. And it really just kind of changed the trajectory of what I wanted to do. Psychology wasn't um, quite what I thought it would be inside of that context. So when I came across life coaching, I was like, oh, this is what I really want to do with and for people. And so I got certified and I started my own business. Wow, so you're a certified life coach. I mean, you just totally impacts a whole bunch of things. So you're a certified life coach. You are a military veteran. Mm -hmm. What branch of the service? I was in the Army. In the Army? Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. And so you were in school with expectations of, you know, you're going to follow this psychology career, you're going to do something good with your life. What did you kind of hope that would be? When I was in for psychology, I really wanted to do exactly what I'm doing with life coaching. I wanted to let people know that they don't have to go through, through things alone and that they're not you know, broken or abnormal, that they are exactly where they need to be. And psychology is very much geared towards identifying diagnosis and assessments and finding out what's wrong with people versus what's right with people. And so that was difficult for you. Then you had this, this trauma experience in the military that had to be so much and so many layers. Yeah, definitely. Yes, everything that you just said. <laughs> All of those things, yeah. Um, finding what was right with people was like something that life coaching offered that I didn't really feel like I was getting from school. And even though life coaching is more of a positive psychology approach, um, the application of it wasn't exactly prominent inside of psychology. So life coaching was like really exciting to find. But then, yeah, back to what you were saying with working through my own trauma and working through my own PTSS, it was really, really beneficial to have life coaching. And PTSS, for those listening, would uh, PTSS stands for post-traumatic stress symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. The symptomology that you were experiencing from your attack. Um, Prior to the military and going into psychology, was there any factors that drew you to that field? I mean, was there any backstory that you were like, oh, this is why I want to help people? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, um, this is actually a part of the story that I don't get to talk about much, so this is fun. Um, but yeah, so when I was in high school, there was a lot of sexual trauma um, that I experienced from a friend's father as well as peers that made me feel very isolated and alone and I was extremely shy which negatively affected me because I wanted to have that connection I just didn't understand how to do it because I was so reserved inside of myself were you shy but like your personality type was was that way or did that come as a result of managing that trauma do you think um I th I think it was definitely a learned behavior. I don't feel like shy is a personality type. I think it is something that's learned. I think being introverted is different than being shy. Like for me, shy was a fear of putting myself out there 
where I am introverted, I can sit in a room and just observe and I'm okay and I feel okay with that. But when I felt shy, it was like I had a fear of reaching out to people and I had a fear of opening up. And So that was compounded by that natural introversion that you felt like that was safe for you. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so and then some of the experiences in high school compounded your natural ability to, to be okay um, in isolation and... And so you sought that as a way to cope with the anxiety of putting yourself out there. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so going into college, it was like, okay, I, I want to do something to understand my trauma and to help other people and to move through that. So you gravitated towards the psychology field. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Perfect. Very, very um, powerful story. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, now that you've, you've moved through all of this trauma, what, what helped you along the way? Um, what were some of the, the things that allowed you to, to process your own trauma? Or do you still feel like you're processing it? Yeah, in, a, in several ways I think I am still processing it. Um, but what things that helped me actively and I think that still do is just being honest with myself about how I feel and not trying to reject any piece of that. One of the stories that stands out to me the most in that process was when I had a lot of anxiety over riding public transportation because then I wouldn't have the control over who could be near me. And my life coach actually said, you know, yes, things can happen. So what now? And just her admitting that that's true allowed me to acknowledge that, you know, things are going to happen no matter what I do or where I go and being able to own that just made me feel like oh I, I do have control actually there are things that I can do there are steps that I can take and being able to talk through that so I do that with myself a lot if I'm noticing that I'm getting anxious about something or that I just have a fear in general then I kind of walk myself through yes it's true these things can happen but what do I want to be true and how do I want to show up and what things can I do to take care of myself in this process so so kind of um, establishing your autonomy in all situations yeah okay so that self-awareness piece then becomes so important right that, mm -hmm. that's that mindfulness of okay I'm going to pay attention to how I feel in every moment and I'm going to pay attention to what I can control versus what's outside of my control right so tell me a little bit about um, what things because I, I find a lot of people when they're new in their self-awareness it's it seems so simple but yet so hard to attain so what what recommendations do you have for someone who's like beginning in that process that's a really good question. For someone who's beginning, I feel like just having someone you can go to and process things out loud and journal. Those two things when you're first starting out are very important. If you're not comfortable sharing yet, you can definitely journal it and walk yourself through those things. What are you feeling and what can you kind of have control over and what is inside of you know your world and your responsibility and then when you do ha find someone or when you do feel comfortable to share that with other people and they can give you a different perspective of it and both of those things have helped me tremendously and helped some of the my clients as well it's awesome so yeah I actually had um, learned this particular journey journaling style where you 
write down your thoughts, right? But a lot of times our thoughts are, are you know, are filled with these ideas that aren't natural, aren't put there, you know, aren't generated from within us, they're put there by other people. And so when you're journaling, a lot of times you can write down feelings and thoughts that, that aren't self-generated. They're carried over from trauma or from other relationships. And so to actually take an inventory of what you journal and then to completely identify what things are actually true and what things are lies that we just kind of buy into, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times our feelings, because we haven't taken the time to write them out, and they're, they're so complex and they're so layered, but looking at them and, and taking inventory of them and going, okay, do I really feel angry or do I feel disrespected? Because those are very different feelings. Right? right. Or do I really feel sad or do I feel rejected, mm. you know? And, and taking and, and layering, the, you know, looking at each layer and then identifying, okay, well, you know, I'm not actually rejected. That's, that's a lie. What I feel is disrespected. And I have been disrespected. I haven't been rejected, but I've been disrespected. So this is how I'm going to look at that. And, I, and then I can institute that autonomy you're talking about because you've got the truth of it. And when you're really, like you said, when you're really honest with yourself, that's when you can decide how to be in those moments so powerful I love that yeah that's such a great way of putting it I will definitely incorporate that for myself (laughs) it's awesome I do I do have a lot of people that will say journaling is just overwhelming like Mm -hmm. so for me like ADHD brain and dyslexic and you know all over the place right and so journaling becomes uh, a little bit like meditation is really hard to attain but doing alternate forms of journaling, mood charting or drawing pictures, you know, art journaling. Those are other ways to really capture the, um, the details that we overlook about our life. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely recommend journaling. That's a, that's an awesome technique for sure. Definitely. So how long have you been a life coach? I have been a certified life coach for three years. And then I've had my business for a little over two years now. Okay. And that must be a whole set of, of stress and anxiety and, and things for you. How is that for you, managing that business? Yeah. I mean, especially through the pandemic and everything, it was, um, you know, slight adjustment here because I'm just starting and then a huge adjustment when all of that happened. Um, and then coming up with the lies behind you know imposter syndrome and I'm not good enough or I don't have enough knowledge or you know I should have gone another route things like that definitely came up inside of me for the first year maybe even year and a half imposter syndrome is huge huge in the helping profession Mm -hmm. right because most of us find the helping profession because we're managing our own hurt Mm -hmm. and we've just learned how to manage our own hurt and so then you're like well how could I be qualified to offer myself up to help others right so yes definitely so what do you do for that well what has helped me a lot and again this is another thing that I kind of find myself coming back to is that I don't have to have all the answers And I can learn just as much from the people that I'm interacting with as they can from me. So I just have the answers that they need, which is why we were drawn to each other. And I can leave it at that. And that's okay. (laughs) Sometimes being fully present is, and showing up is enough. Yeah. And, and, And allowing that to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
tell me the difference that you feel like for people coming into life coaching, what are some of the recommendations you have for people looking for life coaching versus looking for a psychologist or a therapist? Like, how do you know who, um, you know, you, you can really work with versus those that you're like, well, actually, you know, you really need more professional help. Do you have a process for that? I've worked with people who also have a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but we need to work together so that we just need to have an understanding that there is going to be, you know, conversation or um, even prescriptions or things like that that needs to be discussed among both of us. I'm not going to prescribe things. That's kind of not, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be able to do that. So um, just having that kind of open communication with the client and with whoever else they're working with. But I talk about life coaching more as the training aspect. I am the personal trainer. If this was health related, I would be the personal trainer that's there to um, give you tools and give you different aspects and viewpoints of how to stay healthy and how to achieve the things that you want. Whereas the psychologist or the psychiatrist would be the doctor who you're going to go to for the prescription and for the diagnoses and for different things that um, are on top of, you know, exercising and working out. Right. Okay. And um, for um, that process of of the behavioral side, um, what are some of the... Um, viewpoints that that you guys have that you hold with mental health and and you know the process that people you know often struggle with with mental health so what, what are some of your thoughts on that that I feel like that's a very broad question exactly are you asking specifically what are my viewpoints on being diagnosed with mental health right so if you have a client okay. that's coming to you and they they have I mean you know, you've the the field of psychology is so broad and diverse, and life coaching is kind of this new and upcoming concept of having you know somebody specifically geared towards be you know helping you behaviorally and um, applying you know targeted goals of like you said personal trainer and and um, a lot of people would work out, but then you know getting a personal trainer is just like the edge, right? So life coaching is like the edge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have people that with, you know, actual diagnosis and real mental health and, um, you know, obviously there's still great benefit to going to somebody who's with a life, you know, who's a life coach, who's going to, you know, help you behaviorally to target your goals and focus on aspects. How does the mental health piece fit into that for you? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It would depend on the diagnosis and it would also depend on who they're going to for that as well. And it would, yeah, just definitely working hand in hand with the primary doctor on that because it isn't something that um, I I take lightly or that I want to dismiss in any way. I want to be able to kind of take that in in a more holistic approach with them reaching their goals because it is going to affect things and it is going to be different for someone who has a mental health disorder or diagnosis than for someone who does not and just wants right. you know a little more direction in a specific area and and I guess the same question would apply to like recovery you know we, we are nonprofits geared towards people in recovery um, or families that have been impacted by substance use or, or overdose or suicide or mental health um, so how do you incorporate that recovery process 
kind of the same way just making sure that they have their steps in place and their plan in place because again recovery is something that i have knowledge of it's not something that i specialize in so just making sure that they have that piece covered and understanding where they're getting that covered from so so you kind of help them create a plan of you know all these different aspects and you say, okay, here's the goal you have. Let's make sure that these other goals are covered. Right. Okay, very good. Definitely. Very good. And then some of the things that I do teach kind of help aid, um, specifically because I have a little more knowledge in the recovery piece. It does aid in what gets taught in the recovery model. But um, I want to make sure that they have those people in place. And that's part of how I coach as well is to make sure that they do have the support system in their personal life what I would love to see is for you know after a series with me that I'm not necessarily needed for your entire life I want to be able to see you achieve things and be feel comfortable and confident in your life and with your support group and with the things that you have established where you kind of outgrow me Right, working yourself out of a job. Right. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. And that's the same in the in the therapy field, is that the goal is, you know, let's identify some very targeted strategies for mental health, and then let's teach you the skills and the tools to process what you need to process and to move forward, so that if you come back, it's more of maintenance right. and not uh, required. Yes, definitely. So, absolutely. So tell me, like... Your ideal client. What does that look like? Somebody come into you like, you know, what what population and you're like, that's my jam right there. <laughs> really young women have been my primary um, client market. And between the ages of 18 and 25, when you're just really starting to figure out what it is that you want to do, how are you going to be an adult? Who do you want to be and how do you want to show up? Where do you set your boundaries inside of workspace, relationships, things like that? You're really setting out on your own. And that has been where I've um, primarily been working right now. So I guess that would be yeah, my ideal or target. The women are fantastic to work with. Yeah. Uh, going through college, it was like so many people, and myself included, were like, oh, women are so terrible and catty, and they've got so many high school drama. <laughs> and then, you know, you get older, you get in the field, and you realize the powerfulness that is held in, in the psyche of a woman and, and how um, just impactful we can be in, in the world. And you're like, oh, I just want to, you know, set you free. Like, like let's just help you get, you know... Like you said, get your goals, get your life, get on track, be who you want to be. And it's such powerful work. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. So if you, do you feel like if you had had a life coach when you were in college or in the military, how would that have, have impacted you, do you feel? Oh, I think that I would have definitely avoided a lot of the choices that I did make that kind of caused some of the trauma. And I think, you know, with life coaching, Everyone can always learn from each other and everyone can always grow and be better every single day because once you know better, you do better. So I think having a life coach at that stage in life when you're really being able to make decisions 100% on your own for the first time would just solidify the confidence that I had in myself and being able to make those decisions and that if I make a mistake, that's okay because I can learn from it and make a new decision. Right. Right. Um, I was in in college.
college, I was reading this article, and it said women's identities didn't even really form until they were 25. Right. It's funny, it lines up right in time with it. Your brain doesn't stop growing until you're about 25. And so we, we set ourselves loose on the world with these, you know, half-baked brains <laughs> and we're making decisions for our lives, permanent decisions. You know, some of them are, are you know, really powerful decisions um, and they set us up for suffering in so many, you know, so many different scenarios and, mm-hmm. and, and you're not even fully, you know, grown up yet. Right. <laughs> know who you are yet. Right. Still figuring it out. Still learning. And yeah, and your brain is still developing. So. Right. And, and you think of all the times, you know, you partied or, you know, were put, in, put yourself in a situation that you're like, I had no business doing that. You right. Know? Why? How? All these the things. Risky, risky <laughs> behavior. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, you think if I, if I had someone I could talk to that would have helped me analyze that. Maybe I would have been open-hearted enough to listen to it. Maybe. 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 But, you know, at 18, you also know a lot. So. Right. Way more than you know at, you know, I'm 38. I knew more at 18. I think, yeah, I think I did too, probably. <laughs> at least I thought I did. <laughs> right. I had it all figured out. I knew exactly what was going to, you know, happen and how I was going to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my soon-to-be 12-year-old is, is at that place too. I think guys arrive at that place earlier than women. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome that you have dedicated your life and your service to empowering people. And um, it's great work. It's worthwhile for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. You talk a lot about, you know, deciding who you want to be. And uh, for me, that falls into that whole uh, wheelhouse of responsibility, right? And we have a right to our feelings, but we also have a responsibility to them. Mm-hmm. Right is is our job just because we're hurt and suffering, uh, and we become the victim of other people's um, malicious behavior or bad behavior, or abusive behavior, doesn't mean we don't have responsibility to healing from that. Right. Right. And so, tell me a little bit about this process for you of being, uh, you know, empowered to be who you want to be in in all scenarios. Um, yeah, that's another really big question. So I think I'm going to answer it correctly, (laughs) but, or in the way that you were asking, um, to be able to acknowledge those feelings, kind of what I was mentioning earlier is part of that healing process is to accept all those parts of yourself. And then it feels a little less, you know, scary when those quote-unquote negative emotions which I don't really think any emotion is negative it just exists and it is and then we assign whether or not it's negative or positive but when the emotions that make us uncomfortable kind of come up inside of us then when we embrace it instead of try to reject it it's a lot easier to really see who we are and how we're going to manage that response that we have or um, instead of imploding maybe we can have a conversation about it or instead of exploding maybe you know we can take some time to ourselves first and then you know figure out how we want to move forward from there and so yeah acknowledging the trauma and that it exists and that it might be on the journey with you for a little while and things might come up because of that and that's okay but how do I want to show up you know with that trauma or with those feelings or you know with the learned responses that I've picked up over my lifetime 
and then figuring out from there what works for me now and what doesn't because I also believe that those things were formed because at one point they protected you at one point they did serve you um, really well and they did get you what you needed to be safe or to feel safe or to feel like you had some sort of control and so it doesn't make you bad that maybe you used to manipulate to get what you want and now you want to learn how to communicate to get what you want instead or maybe you know you would have temper tantrums when you were younger and it would get people to back off so instead of you know having those temper tantrums now you can take the space that you need for yourself different things like that and I know for for myself as well as for some of my clients that just being able to acknowledge that it exists and not putting extra shame on yourself because it does is really really helpful in a lot of ways and really changes you know even how you feel about it yes so you touched on a lot of um, different therapeutic concepts in that conversation. You, you touched on, you know, the, the the process of judgment, right? And so, when we learn in mindfulness that we're to observe without judging, and so we recognize our feelings and we observe them, um, and you know, in in our, our childhood brain as it's growing and developing, one of the the facets of the brain is to have mirroring neurons. It works to salespeople's advantages. You nod and they nod, you smile and they smile, you say yes a lot and they lean in. And you can compel people towards behavior through that. I have a deep desire to see and be seen, to hear and be heard, and to understand and be understood, right? And that's that process of attunement. And so when we uh, apply that attunement back to ourselves, we take the time to just observe, to see and be seen, to hear and be heard, to understand and be understood, then we give ourselves that basic feeling of safety that all people need, right? That basic form of belonging, that you belong to yourself and these feelings are yours and you're not going to assign shame and judgment to them, right? Mm -hmm. That's this very, I mean, it's a, it's a huge concept, it's very basic and simple in the same process, right? And I'm just going to allow myself to be in existence and to not criticize and judge and, and label myself for these feelings and for these behaviors, right? right. And because life coaches, they, they, you know, you're focusing on behaviors that are as a result of these deep you know, wounds and traumas and learned processes. Um, so learning not to judge those behaviors. And then saying, okay, now that I'm not, I'm not going to waste this energy that I would have, you know, spent criticizing myself and mm -hmm. and applying all of these, you know, negative, you know, unhealthy, destructive processes back towards myself. I now I have this energy to consider all my options, right? And then I can say, okay, instead of it being black and white, yes and no, I'm good or bad. I can say, well, actually, I have the power to be this way. I have the power to be this way choose to do this I could choose to do something totally different and you can see opportunity mm -hmm. when before it was just this oh well I'm terrible so therefore that must mean or I'm shameful therefore that must mean and this implied you know singular course for your life that leads to destruction and, and it's such a great concept like 
this is really good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love the way that you put things. I love the way that you word things. Um, because yes, everything that you just said, exactly. But yeah, you just say it in such an eloquent way. It's like, oh yeah, I like to hear that back. That's that's what I was saying. It's, it's yeah. exactly what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is the basis of, of, you know, the therapeutic process of I'm going to take these very big, um, you know, consuming, exhausting experiences that you're carrying and I'm, we're going to, we're going to lay them out and we're going to untangle them. Uh, I say a lot with, it's a lot like Christmas decorations, right? You know, come January, it's cold, you're ripping the lights off the house, you throw them in a box, they're all tangled up, and then the next year, they're like, oh, it's November, we're going to decorate for Christmas, and you pull this strand of lights out, and you're like, what the heck, you know, (laughs) who put these away? And those are how our feelings are treated. Mm -hmm. We shove them in a box, we throw them in a moldy basement, we don't ever look at them, and they're just, you know, wrangled, mangled Christmas lights, and it's like, you know, they once held beautiful memories and they're just you know gross and spider webs cobwebs and nobody wants to deal with their feelings but if you pull them out and you took time and you untangled them and you broke down the layers there's quite a bit of beautiful opportunity there yeah definitely and taking the time I think you said that a couple of times is just like giving yourself that time to be able to do that is really important and it does take time it's like you're not going to learn how to dribble a basketball you know in one second you're gonna have to practice see and that's also another amazing concept that beginner's mindset right so many times in life you know we like you said we think we we know everything right (laughs) we think we should be great at everything Mm -hmm. that imposter syndrome oh i should just be awesome at this you know i went to school or i got a course or you know i've try to figure my own mess out so therefore I'm great you know and it's like well it's okay to be a beginner every day yeah every day is a new day and it's okay to be a beginner at you know even new clients it's a new client it's okay to be a beginner with this new client and to have that grace for yourself right you know new at this Mm mm-hmm learning each other and not putting the pressure on yourself you know for me with a new client because I'm still getting to know them at this point you know it's only one session in it's okay well I mean today you know this is the you are a new person today you are a different person than you were yesterday Mm -hmm. right you know more information than you did yesterday you're here at a podcast I don't know if you've ever been on a podcast before but if you have I mean sure you've never been on this podcast before so therefore you can be a beginner at it right right And just having that extension of grace for yourself, Mm -hmm. releasing the stress and all that shame and judgment and guilt of, oh, I'm this terrible person, right? Mm -hmm. Should be better. Should, would, could. Should. Shooting on yourself. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Great stuff. Yeah, definitely. So tell me, what was the, so far in your baby baby life career that you have this amazing path that you've laid out for yourself this brand new business that you've started that's you know causing you to stretch and grow in every direction tell me what's the best thing you've learned and what's the most you know impactful thing that you've learned man 
I feel like they're very similar, probably very, you know, very much side by side. But the best thing that I've learned is that at the end of the day, this is more important to me than anything else because of how much I care for people and the connections that I make, even just in an initial session, if it never goes past that, is it brings me so much joy and to know that someone was able to tell me something that maybe is difficult for them or maybe that they haven't told anyone before is so powerful and I know that that will help them grow and change and so I always come back to it and that's no matter how hard it gets no matter how down on myself I get I'm always coming back to some form of my original desire to be inside of psychology um, that's probably been the best thing to realize and understand the most impactful thing, I think, is the beginner's mindset. It's coming every single day and giving myself the okay to not be perfect. And that is definitely been the most impactful thing. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. And I didn't do it, you know, exactly like I thought I would or I, it didn't happen exactly how I had played it out in my mind five times. And that's okay, too. And that goes back to that anxiety piece of, of you know, best well-laid plans. And there's always going to be something out of our control. So how can we be? We can stay committed to grace in that moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. grace for ourselves, grace for others. I find sometimes that we treat others better than we treat ourselves, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So, And then you said earlier, having good people in your life that you're like, need to be able to talk to someone mm-hmm. and having people that will echo back exactly what you would say to someone else right? right like okay well what would you tell someone else in this scenario? I know I would tell them this I would <laughs> tell them that okay can you hear that for yourself no I can't hear that for myself I know better you know <laughs> right well, how do you think you're better than everyone else I know mm-hmm. that's my pride mm-hmm. so yeah yeah little egos coming out it's fine we'll love we'll love little ego it's okay <laughs> Um, I think one of my favorite things that I've been able to kind of figure out through this whole process is how to unwind some of the trauma and being able to, there are a couple of different ways that you can step into a healing process without necessarily having to talk directly about the trauma if you're not ready and then once you do get to a place where you can talk about it a little more freely without you know spiraling into a a negative space then there are different spaces where you can kind of do that that has been my favorite thing about going on this life coaching journey that I think would have taken me longer to discover if I would have stuck with psychology strictly and that's been really really fun to see people grow just because they sat in a space and you know were able to be open to the experience so tell me a little bit more about that process of moving through trauma moving through trauma would be so you can start you know with the journaling or you can start with sound meditation or sound therapy or light therapy even and just allowing those different places inside of your body to have a voice and um, this is just kind of 
one method or modality is just figuring out where inside of your body those things are stored and when you say it that way that can feel very like a very big concept and maybe even kind of difficult to pinpoint or, or grasp but sitting in a space where you feel safe and where you feel free to be able to do that and acknowledge that it is even there and it exists without necessarily having to explain or express exactly what it is that caused it. Um, and then moving through that into a space where now you're rewriting how you can show up in that situation today. And um, being able to, yeah, take that autonomy back that we were talking about earlier and being able to see how powerful you are in all of those situations because today you get to make a new choice or today you know you get to be a different person I think that's been a lot of fun for me to um, not only learn but guide other people through it's been an exciting piece of it for me so so much of what you're saying is um, it's really powerful to the process of how trauma is created in the body right mm-hmm. so um we have our sympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, the alarm bells. It's the, the glands that are on the side of your head that when trauma is happening, right, that signals the brain, bad thing, right? Bad things about to happen. And your brain has a series of ways to deal with it, fight, flight, or freeze. And that process of, you know, how your brain responds to it releases hormones and chemicals in the body, right? It's this big adrenaline dump that occurs when bad things happen, right? And that's across the board bad things. That could be, you know, big, horrible, awful sexual trauma, physical abuse, car accidents, hospital stays, um, military service, like anything. Or they could be small traumas that are, you know, small rejections or those, you know, ugly, you know, um, discriminative, you know, behaviors that, that people, you know, kind of leak out towards us and we pick those up and we feel those all the time right Mm -hmm. and so the the adrenaline dump that happens in the brain your body has these reuptakes they go up and they pick up those those chemicals and those hormones and then they they put it back because you're going to need it in the future right well when you have you know a traumatic experience the ratio of what's floating around in your body is greater than what your body can clean up and so it stores it in all kinds of places of your body a lot of your autoimmune disorders are directly linked towards trauma because your your body has this this response of attacking itself because it's under attack all the time, right? And so, um, found using essential oils that a lot of people will store um, negative emotions along their spinal column and their joints and the soft tissues of their body will be these hormones that are directly linked to trauma that was created in their childhood or in their young adulthood that they never processed so they're going around with all these aches and pains and and you know health issues and physical illness issues that are directly linked to abuse that they've experienced or you know even like people with asthma, you know, a lot of times will have um, anxieties and, and other, you know, processes that they've learned because of their, their you know, medical experiences. And so what you're talking about using sight and sound and all of this and light therapies, uh, many times you can shift it and move it in the body. And that's why yoga can be so helpful. And so tell me a little bit more about that process because I don't know a lot about, you know, 
sight and sound therapies and, and so tell me what that looks like sure um with sound therapy a lot of the frequencies um, will target different types of trauma or different types of um, healing processes and I think that is amazing as well and just being able to listen to a sound and and be quiet for you know be still inside of yourself for a couple of minutes and a lot of that's rooted in the neuroscience of you know vibrations and and activating the vagal nerve that's you know at the base of your brain and when you activate the vagal nerve it releases the parasympathetic nervous system that allows you to feel safe right and so the different sounds even though you're bringing up these traumatic emotions because you have these vibrations going on you're able to feel safe and to feel the release and it allows your body to just kind of let it go and and that process i mean it sounds real hokey to people who don't understand the science behind it but it's it's deeply rooted in in neuroscience and what we're learning about the brain so it's fascinating that you're able to do this with people and allow them to kind of walk this process of feeling safe and holding their trauma at the same time Mm -hmm. and and i do in, in my therapy practice i use a lot of essential oils for the same reason because you know smell is the number one link to memory and you can actually activate emotions through different smells that you experience Mm -hmm. and and the way that that releases hormones in the brain you're able to feel safe and activate that parasympathetic nervous system while holding deep emotions and trauma and shame and those feelings right it's really cool stuff that's amazing it's really cool stuff i love that you do that that you use the the essential oils i mean I, I was recently certified in EMDR, and, and EMDR just uses bilateral stimulation so that your brain's able to activate these memories. And, and you know, we do the, the um, you know, humming and the, you know, butterfly hugs and the dragon breath and releasing, using your body to release feelings um, that are stored and to activate those, um, you know, those emotions of safety and comfort and belonging. So important. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I wish more people knew how to do it. Right, exactly. I think that is something that I'm really passionate about as well, is giving this information to people who are willing to receive it because it is so helpful and so beneficial. So the fact that you use that in your processes too is amazing to me. I love that. So um, one of the things that I, I, it's a sad truth, but it's very much a truth is that we all experience trauma. Like trauma is the number one unifier for all of us in life, right? Life is filled with suffering, right? Filled with suffering. You've suffered. I've suffered. Teddy, our podcast man, he's suffered, man. We, we all have experienced suffering. Even what I found, even the people who've lived the most, you know, beautiful, um, protected lives have still experienced some form of, of, um, suffering and so if we can become unified in that and learn how to walk through that and carry that in our process like you talked about untangle those feelings that we can't allow that to keep us back we can't allow that to navigate our lives for us because we all have it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's so true and yeah it is you know a unifier which is also interesting to think about that the thing that brought us maybe the most pain is also the thing that brings us some of the deepest connections 
And I know that's true with the military veterans or really just anyone who's been in, in military training. You form bonds with people so quickly because of the hardship that you're going through with them. And without that, um, without that understanding, it's very hard to connect with people because you don't really know how they're going to understand you or what they're really going to understand. And yeah, so trauma is definitely a unifier, but it's also, you know, the thing that brought us the most pain. Right. So kind of being able to see it from that perspective too is really interesting. And it goes back to your unifying message of, you know, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not alone in your suffering. We, yeah. we all are, right? It's, it's the ones that, that have able to been, been able to connect and heal or walk a healing journey. Maybe we're not fully healed, but we're walking a healing journey and, and we're facing and having the courage to face some of these feelings and that we know what that takes to make those decisions, to face that those feelings. Um, and because we know it takes that immense amount of courage, um, we're, we're there to show up for others so that they can take those steps too. Yeah. So, absolutely. Definitely. What is one lesson, one message you would like to, to share with, with the world, with all the women that you work with, or if you work with men too, because men need life coaches too, whoever you work with, what's one message you really want them to take with them? You don't have to do anything alone. You don't have to do anything alone, and you are not outside of being cared for. It doesn't matter you know, what you've done or what you've been through or what you're currently going through. There are so many people out there that want to care for you in that very moment, and it's just opening yourself up to allow that to be true. So that human connection mm-hmm. and how powerful that connection is. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well... We're very excited to have you on our podcast. I really hope that you spend more time at the center. Um, Love to have you back and working with, you know, some of the people that come through here because, you know, what you have to share is just genuine and beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me.